Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Ron Klain is the White House Chief of Staff. And Ron Klain has made some doozies of a claims, some doozy of a claim, some doozies of claims. I'll let you figure out what's proper in the grammar. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony would love to hear from you. It's been a while since I've taken some calls. 833-468-8669. That is uh, the, the number you ask. I'll answer. I I should share some of the calls that I've gotten because sometimes when you call the number and we're already off uh, the air, it'll, it'll record. Like, I, I do get them. I do get the messages. And some of these are just, um, just precious. Some of them I can't actually share uh, on the air. But love to talk to you. 833-468-8669. This was uh, at something called the Atlantic Festival for the uh, uh, the outlet The Atlantic. And Ron Klain is asked. We, we had to address the problems that we... Well, I should say what he was asked first. You know, talking about coming out of COVID. What's it like coming out of COVID? And, you know, where, where are we at now? And Ron Klain brings this answer. We, we had to address the problems that we found. Right. And the biggest problems that we found were a country with a pandemic that was killing, uh, you know, thousands, literally thousands of people a day. Ron Klain was the White House chief of staff from day one. They knew that we were in a pandemic. They didn't come into office knowing that and learned all of a sudden there was a pandemic. They knew there was a pandemic. I share this with you because what you're about to hear is Ron Klain, the White House chief of staff, attempt to reset history. When I say reset, I mean rewrite. Now, we have heard this before from President Biden. We have heard this from uh, the White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre. When, for example, they tried to tell us there was was no uh, uh, vaccine in place and no rollout in place. No, the rollout had just started of the vaccine. But the vaccine is in place because of Operation Warp Speed and President Trump's insistence. Giving them the money, getting out of the way, and letting the private sector do what it is that they do. That's what happened. And that's the only reason that it happened. They didn't rely on the NIH. They didn't rely on government laboratories. They said, hey, private sector, here's the virus. Here's the cash. Go get them, tiger. And they did. Why wasn't the rollout greater? Because the vaccine had just come online. Oh, and how about the fact uh, that your vice presidential candidate, now the vice president, was telling people, you can't trust a vaccine from from Donald Trump. It'll kill you. All right, she just said you can't trust the vaccine. So he starts, so so even uh, for the past two years, there's been this reset of the historical record. And that's what Ron Klain is doing here. A pandemic that was killing, uh, you know, thousands, literally thousands of people a day, uh, hundreds of thousands of cases a day when we arrived. And so we had to ramp up the response to that. 
And then the economic consequences of that. Uh, it's easy to forget that when Joe Biden came to office, we turn on the TV at night, people were in line uh, in football stadiums waiting for a box of food. They- now, let's say that I pay attention to things more than most. Let's call it the job. Let's call it the job. You've got your job. I've got my job. My job is to pay attention. I share the conversations with you. You've got your job and doesn't necessarily allow you to pay all the attention in the world. But let's argue that in the world of people who pay attention, you and I pay attention more than most. Let's make that argument. Do you remember people lined up in football stadiums for boxes of food? I do not. That is not to say that there weren't people who had a hard time during COVID because their jobs were taken from them. People decided, oh, this isn't something that's essential. You don't get to go to work. Other people get to go to work and get paid, but you don't get to go to work. Sorry, sucker. I don't recall people filling stadiums or online at football stadiums getting food. What I can share with you is that I initiated a fundraiser for a local food pantry in the Indianapolis area called Brownsburg Blessing Boxes. This was back in June. Was it in July? It was in July. And we raised $13,000 for this local food pantry because they've got more requests than ever before. That's June, July of 2022. We're not talking about 2020. So if the argument is that Biden came in and fixed everything, that rewrite of history doesn't hold any water because we're still dealing with people having shortages of food right now. And this problem is only getting worse with inflation. Wait till you see people who have to choose between heat and eat this winter. By the way, do you want you want to even know where the Dow is? Do you want to know? Okay, down 628 points. NASDAQ is down 249. And the best is the headlines, recession fears increase. Recession fears? Guys. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. We're in the recession. It's happening right now. What do you think is happening out there in the economy? Not happening. There are not good times out there. The recession is here. So I don't know what your fear is. I don't know what you're claiming is is the fear. It's right here. We're living in it as we speak. But sure, claim that somehow it's still on the horizon. Another part of the Biden rewrite, a recession is no longer two quarters of negative GDP growth. Oh, that's just some highfalutin terminology. Doesn't really mean nothing. Everything's fine. 
everything's fine, everything's good. Oh, you're just you're just being silly if you think there are any problems going on uh, out there. No problems at all. It's just great. Not so well. Not so well. Let's go back to Ron Klain, shall we? Let's go back to the argument that he is making in this rewrite of history here. The unemployment rate was nearly 10%. We had 20 million people out, out of work. and, uh, and No, we had 20 million people who we told couldn't go back to work. I have played for you a grand total of 27 seconds worth of audio. 27 seconds! And already we're at lie number three and miss, not misread, but misinterpretation purposeful number three as he tries to rewrite history. This is Ron Klain, the White House Chief of Staff, lying through his teeth, and he's not done. Businesses closed and schools closed, so we needed an economic response that addressed that. But the president also ran on a promise to build back better and to see that at the other end of getting over this immediate crisis, we'd build the kind of economy that he likes to say from the bottom up and the middle out that would really create good jobs an economic future for everyone in this country, whether they went to college or not. But if they didn't go to college, they would pay for the people who did go to college. After all, if they're too stupid not to go to college, well then... F these people. F them in the ear! Make them pay! It's an incredible rewrite. It really is ugly. And he said it all with a straight face. He said it all with pride. It used to be that when conversations like this happened from somebody like a Ron Klain, that the job of the host would be really to expose it, break it down, and for so many people, it would be shocking. The good news now is that we are all so attuned to this that when we hear it, we're less shocked, we're just more amazed that they think they can get away with selling it. You're so much more aware of how much they despise you, me, and we. They hate us. They absolutely, positively hate us. They hate that we question them. They hate that we notice when they're lying. They hate when we can see through their failures. And then Ron Klain has the gall to go down this road. The critical elements of production. And, and I think, last thing I want to say on this, that is critical to the clean energy transition. I think if we're going to say we're going to make this country and we're going to increase uh, our reliance on solar power, our reliance on wind power, our reliance on electric vehicles, electric vehicle charging stations, Making those things in this country so we have a reliable supply, we aren't uh, dependent on foreign imports of solar panels or windmills or batteries for electric cars, I think it's critical to knowing that uh, new clean energy economy is going to be reliable and sustainable here in America. But 
Solar is not reliable or sustainable, and neither is wind. They don't work. Wind power doesn't work in creating uh, energy for society. It kills birds, but it's not reliable. But note how Ron Klain believes that we have to secure the energy future by building solar and wind power right here in the U.S., but doesn't believe in energy security when it comes to the things that work, like oil. We have natural gas, we have shale, we have opportunities galore in the United States, and the administration that he runs doesn't believe it, doesn't do anything about it, won't actually work to engage energy security. Rather, they would engage the fantasy of green that cannot power anything yet, but they want to make sure it's all done here. You have no issue with me against wind or solar. I'm just saying it can't power anything yet, yet. That's why you ensure energy security on the oil and the gas and the other things. Not this administration. Not Ron Klain. So in this two minutes, not only does he engage a full attempt at revisionist history, he makes a claim about energy security that he isn't willing to make on actual security of energy that actually works. You want to know why this administration is so bad? You want to know why the economy is in such peril, why inflation is so high, and why the market continues to say, my gosh, bad things are ahead? Those two minutes of Ron Klain. I'm Tony Katz. People are... I, I'm going to say placing different bets. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. But taking a look at where Vladimir Putin is in this fight, I saw uh, someone uh, say this is his Vietnam. And I'm like, oh, if that's, if that's the hour, we're going to play the game. Possibly. Possibly. But remember that he's got an unlimited number of resources. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Tony, he doesn't have an unlimited number of resources. That's his whole problem. No, I'm saying that he can take anybody he wants and he can throw them into this fight. He can just grab people off the street and say, you fight now, and that's all there is to it. Well, Tony, they've gotten a way around that. Oh, yeah, how did they get around it? Well, take a look at the Google searches. You know what's surging in Russia, the search, how to break an arm at home. This coming a day after Vladimir Putin said conscription would be applied to reservists, meaning he's going to take these people, but 25 million would be eligible. And um, he's going to put you right into just getting killed by the Ukrainians. So the search of how to break an arm at home exploded all over Russia because they do not want to fight in Ukraine because they know this is nuts. Never mind that the military is incapable. Lord only knows how they're getting food to these guys. Lord only knows. But the question is, if you're, if, if you're backing up Vladimir Putin into, into the corner, what is he willing to do? There are some who believe that they are not willing to engage 
in anything nuclear. I am not one of those people. I believe that he would engage in whatever it took in order to, one could argue, save face in 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 this situation because that's what's most important is him being able to save face and still be able to stay in power so according you know i brought up this idea of 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 vietnam i mean this was uh an admiral on, on msnbc today yeah i think uh uh Andrea and I are old enough, or shall I say senior enough, to look at this and think, has Putin met his Vietnam? Um, This is really starting to rattle the echoes of that war. Um, It it is most directly in the home front aspect of it, the protests, the people running away from this, really quite remarkable. You know, our Secretary of State, who is handling this beautifully yesterday at the United Nations said Putin has really doubled down. I'm going to add on. I think he's tripled down in that he is rattling the nuclear saber. He is talking about this faux uh, set of referendums in eastern Ukraine, effectively annexing these conquered territories and he's calling up 300,000 reservists that's a triple um it, it may be he's all in so this is in fact a dangerous moment let me let me put those three things in perspective very quickly the nuclear one i don't lose a lot of sleep over i don't see putin deciding to use a nuclear weapon it would create a huge movement uh, away from him uh, dramatically in world opinion. Now, you can argue that Putin doesn't care about world opinion, but if you're relying on parts of those worlds, like, for example, India, to buy energy from you and keep the money flowing, you care quite a bit. And so I'm with uh, the Admiral there. Um, I don't know if he sees it as, as, as the idea of it as a comparison to Vietnam. I think there is a conversation that Putin has shown himself to be weak. He has shown his military to be not capable. He has shown himself to be desperate. He could not obliterate the Ukrainians as he once thought. And even at a moment of regrouping, he still couldn't regroup strong enough. Does this mean Ukraine gets a win? I have absolutely no idea. It means that Putin to the rest of the world has already lost. So what does he do about that? I'm Tony Katz. We work very closely with Oscar Leeser, the mayor of El Paso. We reimburse the city for expenses through our emergency food and shelter program. When we work in coordination with one another, we address the situation ably and effectively. When a governor acts unilaterally and refuses to coordinate with other government officials, that is when um, problems arise. And that is when we deplore political stuntsmanship, when we're dealing with the lives of vulnerable individuals who are reflective of a challenge that our entire hemisphere uh, faces. 
Sending illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard is not stuntsmanship. It's reminding America that the border is America's problem. It's not our fault, Secretary Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, that you're not good at actually defending it, that you're not defending it, that you're lying about Trump issues being your issues. It wasn't the issue. Trump policies were not the problem. You have announced to the world that you have an open border, and I know that you have said the border is not open, but that message hasn't gotten through because you deliver it to Americans. You don't deliver it to the people of El Salvador or Nicaragua or Honduras or anywhere else. Thus, they come. In the cigar world, this is being felt. It's hard to find people to work because they're coming to the United States. This is going to create tremendous issues with supply, even though they're already dealing with supply issues. On cellophane to wrap the cigars, cedar to build the boxes for the cigars, a whole host of issues. Now you can't find people in the good paying jobs in Nicaragua and in Honduras because they're coming to the United States and they're coming because they believe that the border is open. And that's all on you, Secretary Mayorkas. So when you claim that Governor DeSantis of Florida or Governor Ducey of Arizona or Governor Abbott of Texas is engaging in stuntsmanship, some kind of theater when illegal immigrants get sent to Chicago or D.C. or Martha's Vineyard or anywhere else, how wrong you are. That is reminding America of the problem that we face because of your failures and your unwillingness to deal with the situation honestly and, and, and clearly, competently. Well, we could only hope for so much. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what is going on? Find everything at TonyKatz.Locals.com, the phone number. We'd love to talk to you. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. I slept fine. I slept fine, woke up feeling great. Uh, I I work out a little before the the morning show I do a, a, every morning, and and that was fine. The next thing you know, I sit in in the chair right where, where my studio is. I sit in the chair, my back right side under the uh, under the shoulder blade. So it's not the shoulder, under the shoulder blade. Oh my gosh! I don't know what I have done. I don't. I, maybe this is maybe this is age. There will just be random back pains. Crazy. Cray, I, 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 ibuprofen, check, acetaminophen, check, hot pack, check, uh, uh, massage, uh, uh, massager on there, check, nothing, nothing, zero is working. So, uh, crazy, I, 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 I have to assume that sometimes you get a little older and things just happen. And that's just the way it is, you know, nothing more, nothing less. But uh, I, I, I clearly, a, a, I need to find somebody who does does massage. I have never ever found a good massage. Admittedly, I've only had a massage twice. The first time I was with my wife, we were in New Jersey, and we both got one, and it was such an off-putting experience. It was so. What's the word I'm looking for? Um. It it was it was un- uncomfortable. Is that the way I'm describing? It was it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. So it was the second time. Just nope. This 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 isn't. It. This is this is all off. This can't be. 
This can't be it. Nope, that's not true. I've gotten a third massage. I got one in an airport in Las Vegas. That was brilliant. An airport massage, spectacular. Spectacular. I don't know, for like a couple months there, I was like having this this like neck pain. And then yeah, that massage kind of took it away. And then I realized, you know, I'm spending too much time looking down at my phone and you, you move your whole head down and you create that strain. You're like, all right. I guess I don't need to look at my phone as much, so I don't look at my phone when I'm standing up, or at least I try not to. If I want to look at it, I'm sitting down, I'm sitting my back straight, and I put my phone uh, phone out in front of me, so I'm eye level to it. I'm not leaning down to it. My monitors, in, you know, here. I don't know about you guys. I lift them up, I raise them up, so I'm not tilting tilting down. Try and bring uh, everything uh, up to a, a good eye level. I don't know. It's it's just one of those things. And it is little things that sometimes happen with people that lead to annoyances, and that's how you can build a day. It it happens with stories as well. It happens when you allow media to get away with something, and then it continues to grow, and then the wrong story gets out there. The facts don't get out there, or uh, mistruths uh, get out there that are purposeful to an ideological uh, result. Let me give you an example of this. We know that a 41-year-old by the name of Shannon Brent killed an 18-year-old in North Dakota, ran him over, killed him. He was drunk, was this 41-year-old. But he killed the 18-year-old, Kaylor Ellingson, because Kaylor Ellingson was a Republican. We know this. This guy, Brandt, said, uh, the Republicans, uh, they, they were after me, they were coming to attack me, and this guy was part of a Republican extremist group. No part of that is true. They, they had an issue with their cars, uh, that led to a, an argument that got political, and the next thing you know, this guy, Brandt, kills an 18-year-old. Killed him because of his politics. Here's how the Associated Press writes it up. A driver charged with fatally striking a teen in North Dakota allegedly told investigators he purposely hit the teen with his SUV SUV after they had a political argument, according to court documents. No. Court documents said he told a 911 dispatcher the teen was part of a Republican extremist group and was calling for people to go after him following an unspecified political argument. So this 41-year-old claims the 18-year-old said, get him. But that isn't, based on all the reporting, what happened. This guy was paranoid, probably told that MAGA Republicans are trying to destroy democracy and he had to do something about it. So he's found a Republican and ran him over with his car. And then had the audacity to tell the judge, "Hey, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't want this to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to affect my my life. You know, I, I got a family, I got a job. You know, uh, this, as if this was no big deal. As if this was nothing. This guy admitted to state radio." something called state radio, that he hit the pedestrian and the pedestrian was a part of the of a, of a Republican extremist group. If you believe all Republicans are extremists, then every Republican or anybody who disagrees with you politically is part of an extremist group.
This is the world that Joe Biden has created. Well, with help from people like uh, Maxine Waters, if you see any of those Trump uh, cabinet members, you create a crowd and you push back on them, you surround them, you tell them they're not welcome anywhere uh, at, at, at any time. But the Associated Press is not telling the full story. And this is an example of how a little thing can become a big thing. And how we have to do our job of standing up and saying, no, that's not the story. You frauds, you liars. You, you want to know why people hate the press, Associated Press? It's because of you. They hate the press because of you. That's why. Because you don't tell the entire story, you engage an ideological story. Whatever it is that helps your side, that's what you engage with. It's why nobody listens to you when you decide that Project Veritas is this, that, or the other. Oh, they can't be trusted. Oh, their their methods are so awful. It's Project Veritas. That has exposed some educators talking about how they don't hire conservatives, how conservatives aren't welcome. How we feel that our job is to really mold these kids into what we need them to be. We need to be feeding them all the information that we want them fed with. There was a place called Trinity School that has $60,000 a year where the director of student activities wants you to know it's a school where conservatives would not feel comfortable. And she admits to promoting an agenda, even though she has to pretend that she's not. She discusses how the white boys in the school are just horrible. Well, because of Project Veritas, this administrator... This teacher is no longer employed by Trinity School. Our principles are clear. Bias of any kind or the threat of violence toward any person or group has no place at Trinity School. That according to the principal and the Board of Trustees president. Our role as educators and as a school is to nurture children as they become responsible citizens. But that isn't the role of so many. The role of so many is to indoctrinate, not educate. And so they go about taking those who state, uh, who show things about what's going on in education, whether it be Project Veritas or whether it be the libs of TikTok account, and say, look, they're going to get people killed. Look how terrible they are. You can't trust them. When they have been shown time and again simply exposing what it is these people believe and how dangerous they are for our society. Because it's an engagement and indoctrination, not education, and it's purposeful in trying to keep other voices out. Which is amazing because these are people who will tell you how much they support diversity, equity, and inclusion. But of course, the DEI people never support diversity and never include you and me. They don't believe in diversity of thought, and equity is nothing more than wealth redistribution. I am convinced that at least the business world will get rid of DEI in five years. Now, some will remain. Some will remain with this nonsense of ESG. I have a whole thing to get into regarding Mark Benioff of Salesforce.
and ham talking about the state of Indiana once again. And being a guy on, on radio, I have some some liberties that I can take that that, that uh, probably a lot of elected officials cannot. But I have some questions that I can also engage that maybe some elected officials are afraid to. I have no fear of Mark Benioff or Salesforce. So my advice is tell your friends Tony Katz is going to be talking about Mark Benioff and Salesforce right there on the circle in downtown Indianapolis. In the next hour, you may want to stick around for that. Just a fair warning. Just put it out there. If you allow the little things to go unaccountable, they will become big things. Sometimes, like a pain in your back, what are you going to do? Maybe you're getting older. Every now and then, you're going to have a little pain in your back. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Maybe I got to do some stretching before any level of workout. Maybe, just maybe, I got to find a different way to sit in my chair. I don't know. But when the Associated Press doesn't honestly explain that one man killed another man because the other man was a Republican, a 41-year-old killed an 18-year-old because the 18-year-old was a Republican, If the AP doesn't report that, the Associated Press isn't worth a good holy damn. They're not reporters. They're activists. That's what they are. They can tell you how awful Project Veritas and Libs of TikTok are, but look at what they expose. Bigoted teachers and administrators who should have no place near our kids. None! Thank goodness they're there doing the work. Thank goodness they are there. You leave these administrators and these teachers in place and your kids will never be the same. It's important to root out this evil. It's important to stay involved in your kid's school. It's important when they call you a domestic terrorist to just brush it aside and keep going forward. It's important. Avoid the little things, ignore the little things, man, they become big things. I'm Tony Katz. So over there at Disney, where uh, prices have gotten completely insane and everybody's complaining, somebody took some photos of uh, the, these women entering the park with, with a baby stroller. Which I have to admit, uh, how how in the world are you taking infants to, to to Disney? I don't I don't understand that. My kids are teenagers. Still have not taken them uh, to Disney. Tony Katz, good to be with you guys. Tony Katz today. That's the name of the show. TonyKatz.locals.com. So they 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 they've got the stroller and 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 they pay for their tickets. I guess if there's a stroller, it, it, you know, it's an infant. There's not a fee. I, I guess that's it. There there's not a fee. So they get in and they push the stroller a, a, a little bit and then they move the blankets off the stroller and out pops a four-year-old. Like, like a, a kid. A kid. Every visitor age three and up is required to have purchased a ticket. Boom, out pops a kid. They lied, you know, about... uh. Uh, about this, uh, they, they they faked being a baby 
because they didn't want to have to buy another $109 or $160 ticket. And people have different thoughts about whether this is genius or theft. And we should be clear, it's theft. I mean, it, it is what it is what it is. What's amazing is that people still buy into, well, got to go to Disney. I'm not, I'm not so sure you do. I am not so sure that you do. Think it's okay to tell your kids, yeah, this is more money than we're going to spend on it. Sorry, can't do it. Love you, though. They'll understand. Raise them right, they'll understand. I'm Tony Katz.